grab your earbuds and put them in your ears because it's time for another 99th episode. Ordered some dinner and then I popped in there's uh, like uh, one of those big like liquor stores that sells like all kinds of beer and wine and you know like a wide variety of stuff. They they get some kind of same one. Admission, but it's, I got the lager. So it's uh, at least something a little bit different. All right. I like the L better, though. <laughs> All right. Logger up. All right. So, so Paul. Yes. You teased us last time about some wrestling thing with the ring was going to oh. explode. <laughs> oh, man. I, so this was a thing. Yeah. I don't even know what this was. And you basically said, well, I'm going to watch this wrestling thing. And the wrestling ring is going to explode while they're wrestling or something like that. Uh, so this is a funny story. So it was uh, the the company's AEW. Anybody who knows wrestling will know what this is, and they probably already know about it. But um, the company's AEW. So they're like the, the big rivals to WWE now. They like they have a major TV show on every week on TNT. They do um, like pay-per-views that, uh, I mean, other companies do pay-per-views. But basically, they're the only other company that has like pretty big attention on them right now so their pay-per-view was ending with a championship match kenny omega versus john moxley uh and it was a an exploding barbed wire death match so they have three sides of the ring the ropes are wrapped in barbed wire and if you get thrown into the barbed wire it also explodes oh, it triggers an explosion pretty insane <laughs> yeah and then outside they have Wait, uh, so Go ahead. three sides of the ring the just the the ropes that are usually like springy ropes that you bounce off of uh-huh. are wrapped with barbed wire. Yes. And so it's a match where you're very much trying not to do the things that you would normally do in a match, like no, you know, running off the ropes to do moves or stuff like that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So you're trying to stay away from the ropes because mm-hmm. their ropes are barbed wire and they explode. Trying to stay away and trying to get your opponent into them. Okay. So, uh, and then around the outside of the ring, there are three spots on the outside that are, uh... So, the intention is to get your opponent to explode, and not you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, I mean, basically, it's it's a, a violent match. You're trying to hurt your opponent, and it's still, it's a championship match, so you're trying to win. Uh, and there's no d- disqualification or countouts or anything like that, so, like, any anything goes... Uh, so, you know, the champion doesn't have any of those, like, easy outs potential for champions. You know, like, a normal, just a regular match, if you're the champion and you get disqualified because you hit your opponent with a chair or something, you still, you're still the champion. Wait. You won the match, but you're still the champion. I thought, you, so hitting people with a chair is not allowed in wrestling? No. Uh, but it happens it, all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's never been allowed. Okay. Um, it's... They do have matches. I mean, they have different kinds of rules, of course, in matches. I mean, there are matches where it's specifically allowed. But um, so making your opponent explode, totally cool. In this match, but not in a normal but, match. But bashing them with a chair, not okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay, all right. Um, Just making sure I understand the rules of wrestling. So, uh, so, anyways, it was a good match. Uh, they they made use of the explosions and the the barbed wire pretty well. The they had so outside the ring they have three like uh panels on the floor that are also like just a bunch of barbed wire. They only made use of one of those. And there's something about watching a guy like purposefully jump into barbed wire to hurt his opponent and then like have to very carefully try to crawl out of real barbed wire. 
Uh, that's, that's pretty interesting. But um, that sounds so terrible. Like, I mean, <sighs> I wasn't sure how squeamish I would be for this match because I do not like uh, like death match type of things normally. Like, I don't like seeing like I've seen some clips of some real death matches where you see somebody like take a sharp object and you literally are watching them carve open their opponent's forehead and stuff like that. Like, that's that's not me. That's a bit much. This definitely wasn't like that, but it definitely was real barbed wire, and, you know, they were definitely hurting each other. Um, but it was done in a way that was, like, didn't make me squeamish. And I, like, I, like I said, there, there are certain things that kind of cross that line for me. Like, I don't want to see somebody taking a, you know, a, a sharp, pointy piece of metal and, you know, literally cutting somebody open. Like, that's too much. So that. This didn't do that, but it was, like, definitely, like, people getting thrown into barbed wire. Okay, so people were being thrown into barbed wire tastefully. <laughs> is what you're saying exactly yeah. <laughs> okay all right so long story short kenny omega is the bad guy and uh at the end of the match uh two of his buddies come out and so then they're basically triple teaming john moxley and they finally kenny omega beats him so now one of the the caveats with this match is once it gets to half an hour in all the explosives go off mm. so if the match is still going when half an hour hits all the explosives go off, and then if anybody's still alive, the match will continue. Is there a big timer so that the wrestlers know when it's about to go off? They periodically would, like, bring up a timer or have this, like, sound that, like, represented the countdown go along with it. Uh, so they were definitely trying to build the tension. So it gets to the end of the match. And first, there's a little bit of flaw with their timing of some stuff. Like, they definitely screwed it up a little bit as far as timing goes. Um, and... They Kenny Omega beat John Moxley to win the match too soon, so then they literally had to beat the crap out of him for another like couple of minutes uh, to kill time until the thirty minute timer started going off. Hmm. So like he literally like I mean the mat it should have been like Kenny Omega wins the match, the bad guys run away, the ring explodes, but instead Kenny Omega wins the match, and they're like, uh, what do we do now for the next like three minutes? And so they just beat on him, and they like definitely were really beating on him. And then, so, like, uh, right as the, the timer's about to go off, like, the, the, you know, dirty heels run out of the ring, go to run away, and uh, another wrestler, Eddie Kingston, comes out and with, like, a couple of his friends, and the friends go and chase off the other guys, and Eddie Kingston is like, oh, no, I gotta get John Moxley out of the ring. So he runs into the ring, is, like, trying to get him up, can't get him up, and then, like, right as it's about to go off, he dives over his head and is, like, laying over the top of him to protect him from the explosion, and the explosion was like sparklers at the corners of the ring and a little like pop. Like ah. it was the lamest thing. Ah. They screwed it up. From what I've heard, they tested it before the show and it worked great. Uh-huh. But then when it actually is time for it to happen, it just sucks. Fizzles. And it was it was horrible ending because it was a really good match and it was a really good pay-per-view so there's a horrible ending for it that's that's sound that's so i mean i'm sad to hear it but it's funny hearing it right it makes a great story for me because i don't really care about yeah. wrestling so something going disastrously wrong where barbed wire was supposed to explode and instead they got some like fizzy sparklers actually sounds yeah really hilarious <laughs> it's it's kind of hilarious like i watched it with my cousin and one other friend like we all chipped in on the pay-per-view so it was affordable and um we all were kind of in shock and we're just like oh no like that's such a sad ending because they worked so hard like they put on a great match they really hurt themselves to do this they were really getting stabbed by barbed wire and stuff and then that, it, you know, a fizzling ending like that. But the worst thing is, like, Eddie Kingston comes out and does his thing. 
And then when it fizzles, he still sells it like it was real. So he's still laying there like he's unconscious because of this explosion. Then after the show goes off the air, somebody that was in attendance, uh, because they had like a small amount of fans there that were like, you know, well socially distanced. Plus it's an outdoor venue they do it in. So uh, one of the fans recorded after the match, John Moxley gets up and uh, he's like sitting there in the ring and he says, well, we know, uh, we know Kenny Omega is a tough son of a bitch, but he builds an ex- exploding ring like shit. <laughs> and so that was kind of hilarious. And uh-huh. then uh, I went over to my cousin's house the Wednesday after when they have um, Dynamite, which is their, their TV show. And they had a great segment with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, who they were like at odds with each other and like were, you know, fighting tooth and nail with each other before but they were friends in the past so that like their friendship is back you know and they were doing um they were doing a promo and talking about it and that they actually sold it really really well and they made something that was so lame like just them talking for a few minutes they made you like not even care about it anymore so i feel like they moved on from it pretty well but it was unfortunate (laughs) it's so strange to me hearing about wrestling because you you said a bunch of names and I don't think I remember any of them <laughs> since you've said them. I remember someone Omega or something like that then saying, well, they were friends and now they're enemies, but now they're friends and blah, 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 blah. It's it's very um, it's interesting how intricate it is and how it seems like a complicated mess from the outside looking in. And I don't know if it feels like a complicated mess as a fan of it, but that's what it seems like to me. It's just like with any other story. I mean, you read comic books. Like, how often are comic books convoluted and ridiculous? And sometimes they're really well-made stories that, if you're just giving somebody bits and pieces, will sound like, well, I can't understand all that. But then if you actually read it, it's like, oh, well, that all makes sense, you know? Uh So it's kind of – it's just like that. It's a mix of things. Like, sometimes stories come off great. Sometimes they don't, you know? It's a mix between, you know, like physical performance and acting – and um, I, I like to use wrestling a lot for examples of some basics of good storytelling because the basics are really what matters, just like it does in any other medium, comics, movies, you know, anything. So, I mean, we've definitely read plenty of comics that are super ridiculous and convoluted. I mean, oh, sure. That was one of the things that made uh, the relaunch of Valiant great was everything intertwined. But boy, did it, like, get stretched sometimes to intertwine, especially the original Valiant, the Unity crossover of the original Valiant. Like, oh. that was a pretty awesome feat, but man, some of that was a stretch. <laughs> sure, okay. I, I, I thought you were going to be start talking bad about the Unity crossover. Oh, no, it, it was a great crossover, <laughs> okay. but fitting some of those pieces in just so every piece would be in there was definitely a stretch. Sure. But I'm not saying comic crossover. Unity was pretty pretty impressive. It's hard for me to see that because I read it when I was 12 years old. Or whatever. Yeah, it must have been like 12 or 13 years old whenever it came out. And so to me, it was just awesome as can be. You know, it just it all made sense that, oh, yeah, Shadow Man's going to dive under a tree and get to the lost land that way. (laughs) (laughs) And totally not know what's going on. And so totally save the bad guy and get burned up. It it was. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it totally was. So. Next question. All right. Did you listen to Prized Pig? Uh, I did, but oh. it was like two weeks ago now. Okay. That's okay. I'm sure I remember it enough. All right. Well, I, I guess really what I'm interested in is if you like it or not. And I enjoyed it. Okay, good. 
It actually got me uh, listening to punk again for a little while. Excellent. Okay, so uh, Prized Pig is a band. They're an L.A. band that I just discovered a couple weeks ago, and they only have one EP that exists. It's three songs, so there's not really like a large body of work to go off of. To If you want to listen to some Prized Pig, you have basically three songs that you can hear um, on Spotify or whatever. I heard it and I just really dug it. It's like really just, it's like no, a, a clash between noise rock and punk rock is I think how I would describe it. And it is just super, super cool. It's one of those where I, I heard it and I was like, oh man, I really, really like this. As soon as I heard it, I knew I liked it. And um, so I looked them up. I listened to that EP on repeat a number of times. And I just think it it rips. It's awesome. Sometimes stuff is easy to listen to, and that's a good thing. Uh, sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes something like you listen to, it's easy to listen to, and it very quickly gets old because there's no depth to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was, there were aspects of it that was easy to grasp onto and enjoy. But it also was, uh, you know, not just, you know, something that was, you know, poppy and easy to listen to that way, you know? Yeah, and I think that's why I liked it, is the, it was, there's a lot to latch onto that's really cool from a first listen, but the more I listen, the more I kind of heard a lot of weird, cool stuff going on with what they're doing. Anyway, I I was mostly curious if that's the kind of stuff you like or not. That's why I told you to listen to it. Yeah, I I enjoyed that. Um... You know, and it's hard for me to find new stuff to listen to because uh, I, I don't know, don't have the same time, don't have the same inclination. I don't know. And I get tired of going back and listening to the same old stuff. So it's really nice to get a recommendation from somebody because when you get a recommendation from somebody, you don't always have to like what was recommended to actually get an enjoyment out of trying it. You know, it's like if I listen to something that you liked, at the very least, I'm getting some insight into you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm understanding what you like a little bit better. Uh, and that gives us a, just a bigger way to connect, right? So it's a good way to connect more with people. I think it's so funny. Like I'll um, I'll tweet Do- uh, Joshua Dysart for movie recommendations sometimes, mm-hmm. and every time he does, it's like he almost feels guilty. Like, oh, well, if you don't like it, then I'm going to feel bad. Like, well, it, it doesn't matter if I like it or not necessarily. Like, you're you're recommending it genuinely. You know, you're not just like putting some crap out there because it's what people are supposed to like or to screw with me or, you know, something like that. Like it's a genuine recommendation. So like you can only take that positively, but even if I don't like it, like if you, you know, Josh Dysart, if he recommends a movie, I know there's some kind of something to get out of it. You know, there's plenty of movies out there that you don't like, but you know that you benefited from watching, you know, same thing with, with music or anything else. But yeah. So to, to get a music recommendation is always nice. Cause even if I'm like, it wasn't exactly for me, it still is, you know, I mean, I just recommended a bunch of, uh, of underground hip hop stuff to you not long ago. Yeah. And some of it, you're like, ooh, I like this. Some of it was like, mm, no, this isn't really what I want to check out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it also, it kind of gets the juices flowing. And I actually had this experience last night. I had gotten some, uh, some lovely new headphones. I really like headphones and I'm always looking for new headphones. Um, I got some AirPods. Uh, somebody, my, so my wife wanted AirPods and well, she wanted headphones like AirPods. And she said they don't have to be AirPods. They could be something cheaper. But I was like, no, no, no. She, she deserves not something cheaper. She deserves AirPods if she wants them, you know? So I got her AirPods. 
I wanted to get them and I wanted to, to try them first before I just bought some for myself because I currently have three pairs of Bluetooth headphones. Two are the like over the head type mm-hmm. that sit on your ear. And then one is uh, the type that like, uh, you know how there's like two types that go in your ear? There's like the earbuds that just sit in your ear and then there's the ones with like that little rubber gasket that you stick in your ear hole. Whoa. Describe these better. Wait, because maybe I'm not, I'm not sure. What, what you, I, okay, so. so like a regular earbud. Yeah. Like uh, you, you, you buy an iPhone, you get a, a pair of headphones with it. They're the earbud. You just sit them in your ear, right? Yeah, okay. Then uh-huh. there are other ones that they, they have a rubbery tip and you actually put it in your ear canal. Yes, okay, yeah. I have yeah, okay. the type that has that little rubbery tip that I stick into my ear hole. Yeah, so I hate those. Oh, hate I, those. I, yeah, I but, like those. That's I don't like the other kind. I'll tell you why I hate them in a minute. But okay. um, I actually, so my other headphones I got, they're JBLs. Um, they are those type, but they have this sports band thing that goes around your ear. So, like, they cannot fall off. Um, so they are cool for some things. Like, you can actually go swimming in these headphones, and um, they, they won't break them. I don't know why you'd want to sw- swim with headphones on, though. I think they actually shut off if they're submerged, but I don't know. But anyways, that's uh, a moot point. So... I liked those. I liked them quite a bit, but the problem is, like, with a, that, like, ear gasket thing is uh, you hear everything your body is doing. So, like, when I would wear them and go jogging, I would hear every thump, thump, thump. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, you, you totally do. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you try to, if you're eating while wearing them, it's crunch, crunch, you know, like, hear everything. Hmm. So that that's, I'm not the biggest fan of that. Um, I did, like, I will say I liked these ones better, though, than any other ones I've had in the past. What I usually do is they usually come with several different of those plastic tips. Uh-huh. So you be depending on if you have a, a giant ear hole or a tiny ear hole, you can adjust. And I usually like to get one that is a little bit smaller than my ear hole is. Which yeah, so I, it's not quite as tight of a fit. Yeah, so it's not like yeah. a tight, tight fit where I'm pushing it in and like <laughs> getting it in there. Because, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. When it's tight, tight like that, like a cork stuck in my ear, then you hear everything. Like, you hear your breathing, you hear your footsteps, you hear, like, every... It's it's weird. It Like, I, I never realized how much sound just, like, I guess leaks out of my ears normally. And this doesn't allow it to leak. So, all my body sounds just stay in. But... <laughs> I like it being a little bit smaller so it's not a tight fit, but I feel like the that like rubbery plastic helps them stay in a little bit more. Yeah, and see, and that was always my problem with regular earbuds in the past. Like, I, I never liked them because they wouldn't stay in my ear. But Apple has, like, continued to, like, redesign theirs, and I kind of – it dawned on me that I actually really liked the Apple earbuds I had that just, like, came with my phone or whatever. Like, and my wife, like, when she got her new phone – she just gave me her earbuds because she never uses that type of headphones. Mm. So I have a couple of pairs floating around, but like I use them all the time at night when we go to bed. Cause usually when we go to bed, I'm too tired to read. So, and, and plus like my wife reads on her phone and we don't have enough light in the room to read a, a, an actual book. So like being in the dark ish, you know, like we have a, a dim light that we have on like before we actually go to sleep, but um, trying to read a, a, a tablet when you're tired in a darkish room, like it just, it's too much. I am too tired for that. But uh, I'll usually watch something. And especially if I just want to go to sleep, I usually will put on wrestling because it just like, it's enough to keep my attention, to keep my mind from wandering, but not so much to make me stay awake if I want to fall asleep, you know? 
And I don't care if I fall asleep while watching it and miss something because I'm watching like old wrestling stuff um, on the WWE network. Uh, it's, you know, that doesn't work if you're trying to watch like a TV show that you actually want to see. Cause if you fall asleep in the middle of it, that's really annoying. You know, you got to figure out where you left off and everything. Um, but anyway, so I use the earbuds all the time and they're the, just like regular corded ones. Like I'm actually using them right now. I use them when we podcast and I, I just realized like, I actually like these now and I hated them before because they wouldn't stay in my ears. So I got my wife, the AirPods, tried them. For like a second, that's all it really took to be like, yeah, you know what, these are really good. And there's certain features of them I like. Like you can use just one of them, and it could be either one. Whereas my uh, my JBL in the ear hole ones, you have to use the right one because that's the one that connects to your phone. You don't have to use your left one, but you have to use your right one. And I usually lay on my right side when I'm watching my tablet, so it doesn't work to use those. Thanks for the intricate details about your earbud sleep. <laughs> you know a lot about my ear holes now. I know um, more about your ear holes. I think I've said the word ear holes more than I ever want to in my life on this episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I got my AirPods and I was all excited. And um, I like I always do the dishes. That's my thing. I do the dishes at night, you know, and. When I do the dishes, I like to listen to music because there's a chance just like, you know, leave me alone for like 10 minutes so I could do the dishes. I can listen to music and just, you know, it's just a, uh, even though I'm doing something, it's just like it's a chance to detach a little bit. Uh, so last night I put on uh, Wu-Tang, Enter the 36 Chambers, because I felt like listening to that out of the blue. Because the Wu-Tang Clan is something I don't remember. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's perfect. You nailed it. All right. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> But that, so I, I listened to that whole album, but then once it was over, that got me on a tangent that led to another one, and I slowly stumbled my way to an artist I hadn't listened to in years, uh, a, a rapper named Quell. And he did an album with a producer named Maker, uh, and, and he's done several with Maker. Uh, but the last one was, it came out like right before my son was born, which explains why I kind of didn't keep up after that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, huh, I'm kind of curious if there's somebody that like is around still. So, you know, I do the usual thing. I go on Twitter. doesn't look like he's on Twitter. Um, I listen to his music some while I'm just, like, you know, doing whatever, uh, dinking around trying to find him. I finally find on Facebook he and Maker have a page. So I sent him a Facebook message like, hey, I don't know if you'll see this, but I really love your music. And I woke up this morning to a message back from, you know, whichever one of them manages it mm-hmm. saying, like, hey, thanks. We got some new music coming. So, like, oh, that's kind of cool. But it's a uh, – that's – like you, you showing me uh, that band. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how it leads you on this rabbit hole of stuff that can sometimes it, it helps you rediscover stuff you kind of forgot about. Sometimes it um, it helps you find new stuff that you may not like the beginning of the rabbit hole as much, but it like it drew you in, and then you end up finding something great. Yeah, that's always really fun. And one thing I like about good recommendation engines on stuff like Spotify and I usually check the what other people liked just to see if I can run into some interesting things that way yeah it's yeah I've talked I've said this before but that's why like when uh, when you're curious about something you want to ask one of your friends what they think about it mm-hmm. you can google something to find out about stuff anytime but that doesn't tell any kind of a story that's just basic you know some basic facts so there's nothing better than, you know, you're curious about a, a book, a comic, a movie, whatever, to ask somebody what they think about it. 
Um, I, I talked not too long ago about the game uh, near Automata. I, first of all, never would have even found that game if it wasn't for somebody telling me about it because I had no clue it existed. And, like, it's not just, like, sitting on a shelf somewhere either. And you loved it. Yeah, and if I would have heard of the game and then Googled it, I probably never would have played it. I played it because the person I know that recommended it talked about it passionately. They were very excited about it. They told me things they liked about it. And that is absolutely not the same as Googling it and reading what the game is about. Um, and it was a fantastic game. Like, I'm still on the second playthrough. I haven't actually been able to play it much this week. But um, there's, like, three playthroughs where you play through with a different character each time. So it's like I'm still working on it. Yeah, it's like you don't get that unless you talk to somebody and hear what they think about something. Mm-hmm. You know, on top of that, sometimes you're not ready for a recommendation. I've had plenty of times in the past where somebody will recommend something, and I'm like, nope, don't have the mental space for that. Not interested right now. And then, uh, you know, six months later... I'll come back across it, but because it was recommended to me before, that kind of triggers something. I'm like, oh, I should check this out now. Then I check it out. I swear, like, 75% of the time that happens, whoever recommended it to you is like, well, I told you about it. It's like, well, Ugh. yeah, but I, I, I wasn't ready for it then. I wasn't interested then. And uh, I, I was when I finally got around to it. So, you know, yeah, people yeah. are great that way. I told you about it. Why didn't you read it immediately? Well, yeah, just like you the other day, you were bugging me about if I'd read that manga you sent me. Bugging you. I asked you once. (laughs) (laughs) Why haven't you read that manga you sent me? (laughs) I sent you a book. It's funny because I I have lots of friends that I share comics with, and I'll send them a stack of stuff. They'll send me a stack of stuff. I often don't read like half of what gets sent to me because I'm just not interested or it's not right for me or whatever, and then I'll pass it on to somebody else. It's like, if that was the expectation, like, you got to read everything I send to you, I would just never accept a package from anybody. Just return to sender. I see. Okay. But you can send me a package. Go ahead. Oh, well, knowing that you're not going to read it, that's really reassuring. (laughs) I'll leaf through it. Come on. Oh, you'll leave. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's not less reassuring. (laughs) So I feel like I've been just doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that in terms of what I've been reading or consuming or stuff like that. One thing that has been fun is, and I think we texted about this, but I don't think we've talked about it on the show, is I plugged in my GameCube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I've been playing Zelda Ocarina of Time. Nice. I got a collector's disc when I got my GameCube because I think Ocarina of Time originally came out on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. Which was a generation that I completely missed. Just, I don't think I've ever played a Nintendo 64 in my life. If I have, it was at a random friend's house once in college or something like that. But I missed out on a lot of that stuff. And I was on a Zelda kick. This is probably like 10 years ago. So I went and bought a GameCube. And this was, I think the Wii was already out. So GameCubes were dirt cheap by then. Yeah. (laughs) And the games were pretty much also dirt cheap. And I got this collector's disc that comes with the original Zelda and Zelda 2 for the NES and Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask from Nintendo 64. Yeah. For some reason, it was missing the... What is the Super Nintendo one? Link to the Past? Link to the Past, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't have that for whatever reason. But it's got four great Zelda games on it. And, well, three. Um, three three great Zelda games. <laughs> oh, so now the question is, which one isn't a great one? 
Zelda 2. That game was garbage. What? Man. You take that back. <laughs> you're insulting my childhood right there. Oh, your childhood is insulting itself. I played a lot of Zelda 2. I really, I like that game. I rented it once, did not like it. I actually tried playing, because you could, uh, if you have a Switch, you could play it on the the online console. And I tried it, like, for a minute. And was, oh, I mean, well, you, you, you played it on the Switch, which means you played it, like, now. Of course it's not good now. Well, I played <laughs> it back then, too, and didn't like it. Oh. But, yeah, it's it definitely, like, uh, I, you know, I, I played through almost the whole uh, first Zelda game. I got a, a Nintendo Classic at one point. I ended up selling that, and my I had gotten that and a Super Nintendo Classic. But I sold both of them uh, to help us get the money to buy a Switch because my my son really wanted a Switch. And um, yeah, so anyways, uh, yeah, the, the original Zelda, solid, awesome game. Amazing. Oh yeah, the original Zelda. I think that's why I got Zelda too, because I didn't have the original Zelda. I always had to borrow Zelda from friends. I borrowed it from my uncle. That's how I played it, yeah. And I don't think I ever actually finished the game. I think I would just play it in little bits and pieces here and there. Like, I would borrow it from a week from a friend, and then I'd have to give it back, and then I'd borrow it again, like, a couple months later, and then have to give it back. Yeah, those bastards always erase your save data, right? (laughs) I know, I know. There's three slots! Come on, leave me one. I know, just leave me one. (laughs) But I never finished the original Zelda all the way through. And I think, though, I was really excited for Zelda 2 when it came out. So I got it for one of my birthdays. I just played the heck out of it because this was the Zelda game that I had. So I played it. And I ain't going to lie. If I owned that game, I would have played the heck out of it because I had some awful Nintendo games. But they were my games, so I played them as much as I possibly could. Because sure. back then, like, you didn't just have everything you wanted, you know? It's like, you got a game, that was your game for, like, the year, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I feel like it took me a lot longer to beat games back when I was a kid. Because there's a few, like, original Nintendo games where I picked them up again and started playing them again. And I kind of think, man, I remember this being a lot harder and taking a lot longer to do. When I was a kid. Well, yeah, you were a kid. You were stupid. Yeah, well, I guess I was. I, I, I always thought I was a smart kid, but I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. Like, uh, Super Mario Brothers 3. Do you remember the level where you're going through the level and there's this sun up there? And you're like, I know that guy's going to come around and screw with me soon. And suddenly the sun starts swooping at you, trying to kill you. Do you remember that level? Kind of. I never had Super yeah. Mario Brothers 3 either. Oh, that's so a shame. That's one I always played at friend's house and stuff like that. That level, I remember playing it the first time, and I was stressed. Oh, man, it was stressing me out. Um, like, it was legitimately stressing me out and giving me, like, anxiety as a kid playing that level. But I got through it. Play it again as an adult, and it's, like, laughably easy to dodge the sun uh-huh. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it, it really is funny how that stuff is but old games like that um most old games were super stiff they were just very unforgiving so like a lot of those games were super duper hard and the reason we got good at them as a kid is the way you played games back then is you played it over and over and over and over and over until you got good enough to beat it yeah. especially because the majority of games you didn't have saves you just you, you played it from the beginning to the end, and if you lost all your lives, guess where you started? The beginning. Oh, trust me, I I know. I bet everyone here listening 
uh, knows this very well. I think that yeah. we're very much the Nintendo generation. If you're young enough and listening to this podcast that you do not remember that, you probably have better things to do with your time right now. Probably so, okay. than listen to us. Go, go do them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. So, Zelda 1, great game. Zelda 2, great game that one of us doesn't quite recognize as great because it was, <laughs> it was great in my childhood, so that's what it is. Dang it. Ocarina of Time is such a fun game. I uh, started playing it when I first got it, and I played like halfway through, but then never finished it for some reason. And so I'm now playing it, and I want to play it all through. And so I've, I'm like still very much at the beginning of the game. It's just, it's, it definitely shows its age as a game in terms of, you, you know, you go to a village and the village is three houses and three people walking around. <laughs> yeah, but it was so much easier back then. Like, do you ever play a game now and you go to a village and you're like, damn it, I have to talk to like 50 freaking people now? Yeah, to find the one person that is going to give me like the tip quest to do the yeah, thing that I need like, to do. I just, yeah. I just want to go kill some more, some more ogres or, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm just really, really digging it. Like, there's this one part that I just played through where you have to go to the Dodongo's village, which are oh. like these rock creatures. Yeah. And um, I'm guessing people who are listening kind of know Ocarina of Time. But if you don't, like one of the game mechanics is you get Ocarina, which is like this little flute. And you actually have to use the buttons to play different songs on the Ocarina. And at certain times, certain things will happen. If you play those things. So the king of the Dodongos, you go and meet him and he's kind of bummed out and he's sad. And he's just has been not in a good mood for a long time. Like the Dodongo kingdom is down on its luck. They can't get into their special cave that has all the best rocks that they like to eat. And he's just kind of bummed out and he almost doesn't even want to talk to you. But then there's a song you can play on the on the ocarina and when you play it he like flips out he he like says that song that song i love that song and then he he just starts dancing all of a sudden and it's really stupid but also charming and bizarre and so out of the ordinary and strange for what i'm used to seeing in a game it's yeah. it's really fun that this game mechanic is well you have to go see this chief and you have to pull out your little flute and play this special song and then he loses his mind and starts dancing and then he's your friend <laughs> it's just tons of fun i love i yeah i so the the nintendo 64 games i never thoroughly played there's that one in majora's mask um i think i played through ocarina of time but like i honestly couldn't tell you for sure if i did or not Partially because if I did, it was probably at a, I like, it wasn't when it was new. So it was at a time where like, I was probably like playing through a lot of stuff quickly, but I also have a really long span of my life that I don't remember super well with a lot of the, the less important details. Um, and in hindsight, like I know why now. Yeah. Like I, I'm interested in filling in a lot of my Zelda gaps. Um, like I played the first one all the way. I, I skipped the, the terrible second one, the great um, second one, the super Nintendo one. 
I would say that was my pinnacle system in game. Like, that was when I was the right age to where, you know, wasn't a teenager yet, had no responsibilities, like, could just, like, love what I wanted to love, you know, and, um, like, that was, like, the peak video game time for me, you know? Mm. Like, once you get older, like, once you get to being a teenager or older and, like, then you can, like, really get into deeper games or whatever, yada, yada. Um, but that's a kind of a different experience, and, like, I've definitely played much you know, more amazing games. Obviously, these games have come a long way, but, like, that was just, like, kind of, that was the perfect era. Like, we all have that, like, system that put a stamp on us, and we, like, look back, and, like, that's the system where we just really were kind of went full throttle. For me, it was a Super Nintendo, and and, uh, Zelda for the Super Nintendo was, like, the the best game I played on the Super Nintendo, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, I, I never had a Super Nintendo. I had some friends that had a Super Nintendo, and pretty much the only thing we would play is Street Fighter 2. So that's kind of my Super Nintendo experience is playing Street not Fighter 2. Not even Turbo? Just the first one? Just Street Fighter 2, not the Turbo? That awesome. So, so. Street, yeah, Street Fighter 2. The Street Fighter 2 Turbo is so much better. Oh, well, so, I, I sure missed out in life, I guess. <laughs> well, it's funny. Street Fighter 2 Turbo was literally Street Fighter 2, but faster. But once you played it, if you played Street Fighter 2, you're like, what the hell is this? Mm, okay. It just no, was so yeah. slow in comparison. Like, it, it uh, yeah. And it's funny because then, you know, the next, like, 20 Street Fighter games were all Street Fighter 2. Yeah, that's kind of bizarre <laughs> when Street Fighter 2 becomes the brand. Yeah, it's like Street Fighter 1. Oh, that game was crap. Street Fighter 2. Ooh, we did something. No, no, don't do Street Fighter 3. We're going to no. lose it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Street, Street Fighter, Fighter 2 Turbo ES two. plus Alpha. <laughs> Street Fighter 2 Part 3. I'm pretty sure what I just said is actually a name of one of the games. Probably. But, but yeah, I guess um, that makes sense, though, because you're a couple years younger than me. So yeah. I think Nintendo was that system for me where I was I got a Nintendo when I was like 8 and I had a Nintendo in my childhood and kind of preteen years and then I skipped Super Nintendo and Genesis and Nintendo 64 and all that until Xbox. So yeah, yeah so it's really fun to go back and play some of these games that I miss that are classics. I think Ocarina of Time is considered one of the classic Zelda games, like all-time great Zelda games. So it's yeah, fun to go I think back every Zelda it. game is a classic. Like Zelda doesn't miss Zelda. They make every game to to be lasting. That's and true. Yeah, it's not like you know Mario will have offshoots like you know Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. That's not really a Mario game. It's a Mario characters in a game, right? You know, mm-hmm. Zelda never really did that. They don't have Zelda games that are just offshoots, really. Um, I mean, there might be a couple of exceptions. Um, there might be some for like handheld games or something, but yeah, like I know they had like the the four swords. I think where you could play like with other people. Um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, like Zelda was pretty like it was spot on about like telling stories, and that's mm-hmm. that's why. I mean, you look at Nintendo now, like Nintendo Switch, any Zelda game or Mario game, they never, like, their just regular retail price never drops below full price. They'll have them on sale sometimes, but if they're not on sale, they're always 60 bucks because they just, they're, they're games that are made to not lose their value, you know, whereas a lot of other games, like, they just intrinsically lose their value because they sell a certain number of units, and then you move on to the next one. Yeah. But they don't come out with, like, a new Mario game every year. They come out with a new Mario game, usually, like, 
every generation. Now they have a little more dilution with that where they have like Mario, they have Paper Mario, they have the new Super Mario Brothers, they have the Mario Maker. I mean, they have a lot of versions of Mario out now, so like they're definitely uh but like it, all those different versions also offer something different. So like there at least is something kind of different about them. Uh but like Zelda Breath of the Wild is the game on the Switch. That's true. I've I've never played a Zelda game that I didn't like. And Breath of the Wild, I have Breath of the Wild. And I've I've had it for like a year and a half now and I've honestly disgracefully hardly played it. But part of the reason is that most of the time that we had the Switch, uh, my wife and my son dominated it. I have a PlayStation 4, so like usually I'll opt to play games on that because they like they love Animal Crossing, um, and there's been other games. Uh, Stardew Valley was a game that um, that they really loved on it. Like I've dabbled in those games with them a little bit, but still, it's hard to be like, no, let me let me play my you know my grown up game for hours on end, and you cannot play you know your your Animal Crossing game. Mm-hmm. But now. Uh, my son has a Switch Lite, and I have a Switch Lite, which I think I talked about before. So now I, I do have the means to to play it and to not be, you know, interrupted. And one of the things that's cool, I haven't actually tested this out yet, but I believe with the Switch, if I sign into my account on our main Switch that plays on the TV, all my save data should be there. So I can actually bounce back and forth between, like, uh, how I go about playing it, too. But I did. I started over on it. I started playing it again because I was like, I it had been too long, and I needed to, you know, to start fresh and you know not be all rusty. But I've been caught up in other games. But I, I want to get back to it because I really do love the Zelda games. My son was really excited about they uh, re-released, uh, well, a re-release or a remaster, whatever you want to call it, of Link's Awakening, which was the one for Game Boy. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might have been Game Boy Advance, maybe I don't remember. But anyways, he wanted that, and we got it for him. But the problem with kids nowadays i guess but uh kids nowadays <laughs> yeah get off my lawn he like he just he gets stuck in a cycle of minecraft and mario maker like he wants to play those games because those games you're not playing through a story and getting to an end you're just playing that's what he likes the most and right now we have uh yoshi's crafted world i we got for christmas we got the mario 3d all-stars which has mario galaxy mario 64 and mario sunshine we have uh, Mario Odyssey. We have Mario Maker 2. We have, like, all these different games. And he wants to get, like, now the newest one is, um, I think it's, like, New Super Mario Brothers and Bowser's Fury or, I don't know, something like that. Um, I mean, it looks cool, like all of them do. But he wants to get that. I was like, hey, you got to play through one of these games first. Like, I'm not get- I don't even care if it's your birthday. You're not getting that unless you play through something you already have. So that's kind of where we're living now. Oh, what a harsh father. Yeah, seriously. Play the 10 freaking games you already have before I get you this other one. <laughs> yeah, that sounds totally like a thing a parent would say. What's wrong with all the games you have? <laughs> that's like the bane of yeah. my childhood, right? And I know that we grew up with that, but you know there's a difference between what's wrong with all the games you have when you've played them all and what's wrong with all the games you've had when you have not played them all. That's, yeah, that's very true. Massive difference. But then again, I have probably like 20 games that I own that I have not played. So. Well, yeah, so do I, because I'll I'll buy games because they're on sale. Oh, man, it's on like sale that. for five bucks. Hell yeah. Yeah. Or I, I buy games and then this happened to me with the Fallout games. I bought Fallout 4 and tried to play it because I really like the Elder Scrolls games. 
and Fallout is basically Elder Scrolls, but sci-fi. Yeah. But I just wasn't ever able to get into it. For some reason, whatever reason, it just... I'm with you. I played Fallout 4 twice. I played it more the second time. I enjoyed it a bit more the second time, but I still hit a certain point where I'm like, this is just tedious. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I felt like I wasn't having fun. I wasn't enjoying exploring or anything like that. I wasn't, it was just kind of like, it seemed like I got railroaded into some random mission that I just didn't really care about or want to do, but I had to do it. And then like I was getting shot at and I didn't know from where and I was dead and how do these games work? And you know, all that crap. I I think the fallout games is a good example. There's plenty of games like it, but they're the games that the people who really love them want to like max out their character and they want to take lots of time doing it, which is cool. Like it's totally cool. if That's what you want to do. Sure. And well, you know, when I played it, like I wanted to kind of get the most I could out of everything, but that also ended up making it very tedious. And then I was like, no, I, I just like, I'm not enjoying this enough to keep going anymore. You know, what's compelling about this to me? And the answer was not enough. Yeah, Witcher three I- is a different type of game, but kind of fell into the same trap where it's like, I it wasn't engaging enough, and I actually enjoyed it a bit more when the story was more linear. But once you get past the first part of the game, and then suddenly the world opens up more, I was just like, Egh. I just I just don't want to. But that that's why I loved Near is it was it was open enough to not be controlling, but it also um, it was linear enough that you were continually making progress. Okay, yeah, I think. Open world games, I feel like sometimes are a little too open in a way. Yeah. I do like the min-maxing thing. And I remember with Elder Scrolls with Skyrim, getting really into how to make a really powerful character and how to craft really powerful stuff. And even found this exploit where it kind of broke the game because you can make potions that make you better at being able to make potions. And then you drink that potion and make a new potion to make you better at making potions and then drink that and then make a new potion to make you better making potions. And it becomes this like exponential curve in terms of the the quality of potions you can make. And then you make yourself a crafting weapons potion. You drink that and make a sword. And I made a sword so powerful it killed anything in the game with one hit. It was so powerful i got to the end of the game and the big boss fight at the end i just walked up and one hit of the sword he was dead <laughs> it, like it was game breakingly powerful <laughs> it was almost absurd how powerful it was yeah that's yeah, games can get too nuanced and it's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing but it was fun right it was fun to have this sword that was so powerful i could just walk around and be an unstoppable juggernaut but yeah. you know, at the same time, it r- ruins the challenge of the game completely. Yeah, you definitely have to have some challenge. You remove the challenge, and yeah. you know, I mean, that, that that's the fun of it. You know, going back to the games that we played as as kids, like they would be simplistic, but they were a challenge. And like a simple challenge isn't a bad thing. It can be very simple and straightforward. I was uh, actually hooked on playing one of the the Switch games uh, on the. I don't know if it's on the NES or the Super Nintendo. I think it was on the NES. And it was basically like, um, sort of like Minesweeper in a way. Uh, a little bit different. Like, it gave you numbers along each of the axes, like the, you know, X and Y axes. 
and that number or series of numbers uh, would tell you how many um, tiles you couldn't break in a row there were, or it was how many gaps. But anyways, it was like um, you had to use the numbers to solve completing the puzzle, and then once you completed it, it made a picture. That's all it was. But it's super addictive because it was just it was a challenge. You know, it's like well. I want to do one more. Like, that was fun, you know? Just let me do one more, you know? And keep going. Cool. So I guess that's all we've been up to, huh? <laughs> I've So I've been da- I guess I've been dabbling in a lot of stuff. I read the whole series of Something is Killing the Children. That was really good. James Tinian the Fourth. he does, uh, I, I guess, like, his biggest claim to fame, fame is Batman, right? He also did uh, Batman... Uh, TMNT, that crossover. He's done other stuff, but I, I read something is killing the children. It, it like it rung a bell of something people were talking about, and uh, I, you know, had hoopla downloads to use. Like I'll give it a shot. I read the first two trades in one night. That's how much I liked it, and that's a lot for me to to read all at one time, unless I'm riveted. Yeah, me too. Which that's exactly what I was. I was riveted. Um, there are 15 issues total, and. 14 were available to me, uh, like, right off the bat, and I read I read those two trades, and then it kind of sat, and then uh, the other day, uh, my wife had an appointment to, to have an oral surgery done, and so I had to wait in the car, because, you know, that's how they do things in the COVID world, and um, I so I finished reading Something is Killing the Children, and I finished reading uh, Goodnight Paradise by Josh Dysart, um, I think the, the art was by uh, Alfred Ponticelli, if I remember correctly. That's a, a TKO book, and that was really good. I read Sentient by Jeff Lemire, and I, I do not remember the artist. So I apologize. Um, you know how bad I am with names. Um, that was really good. So, yeah, like I kind of pounded through reading some stuff I had kind of kept on. I want to read that, and then I put it off. I read Bang by Matt Kent. That was, uh, it was good, but I think it was like a really good concept that didn't have enough room to breathe, being only five issues. But at the same time, I think if it was longer, it may have been um, too much room. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, so I kind of like read a bunch of different random things. Dabble, you know, played in some video games like we talked about. I started watching some Jackie Chan movies. That was fun. Still got a bunch that I want to watch. But yeah, it's kind of been a, like a little bit of here and there, just kind of doing whatever, wherever the wind blows me uh, as, you know, real life has been stressful lately. But it's yeah, good. yeah, I've been very busy with work it was another week where i was working till 9 nine thirty at night most nights and so i haven't had a, a ton of free time i have been reading starman though and that's been really enjoyable that's good stuff yeah it's really cool i really dig it it is how deep very... in you now i finished the first of six hardcover collections so i think i'm around on issue 17 or 18 mm-hmm. in the series and I'm really enjoying it because it is a very out of the ordinary superhero story because he's yeah. very, it's a, I guess the easy pitch would be, it's about a reluctant superhero who's trying to pick up the mantle of his father and brother and succeed as a superhero in his own weird way. And it just, it touches on a lot. And I think I was trying to think about, man, why is this good? And there isn't one thing in particular why it's good. It's good because it does a lot of different things and it touches on a lot of different things. And it kind of reminds me of Sandman in that way, 
in that like there's not one particular reason why Sandman is good. Sandman is so good is because it does so many things so well. It tells so many different types of stories really, really well. And it just uses the framework to tell these different types of stories. And Starman is doing what, while the stories are obviously way, way different from Sandman doing a similar kind of thing where it's using the framework of this superhero and his adventures to tell these different types of stories that are really interesting in their own way. So I'm just really enjoying the heck out of it right now. Yeah. And it has a great feel, a great aesthetic to the art and everything. Um, it reminds me of Sandman in that way. Like, I don't know. It is to, to comic art of the nineties, like what, you know, what indie is to music, right? Like it's just kind of, it's different. It's not the same as everything else. And I, I don't know if nowadays if anything kind of relates to that because nowadays I feel like there's a lot more accepted variants and styles even in more mainstream comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people have broken that ground, right? So, um, you know, people have made it acceptable. Like, um, you know, David Aha's art on Hawkeye, for example. You start seeing a lot of art that was very similar to that after that made it more acceptable for that kind of art, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And, uh, you know, Sandman, I think, was, or no, Sandman, sorry, uh, Starman was at a time where, like, I have no way, I, I didn't read comics since, so I don't know how accurate this is, but it seems like any stuff that was, like, that kind of art style was the, the you know, the indie-feeling titles of the uh, the big two. So, you know, Sandman, Starman, like, Vertigo stuff for DC. I don't know what would be the equivalent for Marvel, um, if they had an equivalent. You know, of course, Image was going then, but I think Image at that time was still like that really, um, I don't know, Image maybe was start, starting to change a little bit and be a little bit more of that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So earlier on in the 90s, Image was that just the really, you know, big style. It was Image, that, yeah. 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 One thing I also like about it is it is still feels like it's driven by the comic book language of comics and what I mean by that is it seems like in the early 2000s, comic books started to be really heavily influenced by movies and movie language, and that the way that stories are told in movies and paced in movies started to kind of seep into comic books. And I think that this happened with stuff like The Ultimates and Morrison's New X-Men and Joss Whedon's, uh, what was it, Astonishing X-Men and uh, the authority, stuff like that, it seemed like comic books started to try to use more of this language of, well, here's how movies tell stories, so we want to capture that movie feel in the comic books. And Starman came out at a time before that was really starting to happen or be dominant, so it still feels really grounded in the traditional comic book language of comic books which i really like yeah i i think that's a very accurate statement like it that that's something that sets it apart it's a it's a shame that starman is not easy to find i've read the first two trades um i owned the first hardcover at one point uh because i stumbled across it but then um you know it's one of those things where my my collection is always kind of ebbing and flowing and I've gone through periods where I've sold off stuff um, to, you know, help us buy a house or different stuff like that. 
And usually if I'm trying not to spend money, I'm like really kind of thinking hard about what stuff I want to own, what stuff I don't want to own. So like I'll end up getting rid of stuff, um, you know, trading it in to get something that I do want, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, a couple other friends, uh, you know, were strongly recommending Starman. And I went on eBay and I found the first two trades for really cheap. And they were just beat up copies. They were like uh, library copies that, you know, were, were being sold. Um, so, I mean, they were very cheap, like nothing, nothing wrong with the quality for the price that I paid, but it was perfect to read. And I would take them just around with me wherever. And I remember one day I, when I finally finished the first one, cause it, it kind of, it took me a little bit to get a rhythm with it. And we went to, uh, to the coast and did a couple things. And then my wife wanted to go to another little beach and look around for shells with my son. And like, I am fine going to the beach but i don't like all the normal beach stuff like i have no desire to go in the water ever at the beach it's cold i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) um i i just but i'm totally fine sitting and relaxing so like i've told my wife now that my son is older and can kind of play on his own like of course i'll play with him some too that's being a parent but um you know i've told her like i am fine being at the beach as long as you want to as long as i can just relax and I don't always have to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? So this one day we, we go to one beach and uh, have a good time. And then we go, my wife wanted to go to this other little uh, cove. And I said, cool, like you go walk around with Sam. I'm going to sit here and read this comic book. So I sit there on like a, a, a driftwood log uh, at the beach reading Starman. It was just, it was so nice. And it's so nice to have a, a comic that you don't care about hurting or you can just do that like roll that shit up stick it in your pocket and you know take it wherever you go yeah that does sound nice i'd like to read some comics on the beach yeah back to joshua dicer one thing that he said uh in a tweet one time a while ago that always stuck with me was he was talking about like kind of that sentiment of like you know using comics for the enjoyment like one of his lines and it was like make love on them like basically you care so little like you just you know if you get in the heat of the moment, you don't care if there's a comic book there. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I don't think my wife would like that too much. Yeah, but. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't feel sound comfortable, to be honest. <laughs> hey, you don't yeah. want to get a paper cut in some areas, you know. I mean, if it gets you going, all more power to you, but no, that's not for me. <laughs> that that's a, a good relationship if you're both in on that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think with that, I think that's a good place to wrap this one up. Thank you for listening. To 99th episode you can find more at wherever you found this whatever that's the apple thing or the spotty thing or the stitchy thing or whatever i know that there's a bunch of other ones now that exist that i don't even know about but that's cool too all right well thank you for tuning in and come back next time for even more of us rambling about the things that we are doing and enjoying or less of it whatever or yeah who knows (laughs) Hey, maybe next time we'll be getting back to Sandman. Yeah, I you know, I think we should be. So yes. this time was definitely uh you and me need to just relax and chit chat. Cause we kinda had to fit this in because of uh of work life. Like I normally we would yep. do this tomorrow morning. I have to work tomorrow, so Yes. Yeah, sometimes just us. This is about us. So you That's listening right. this is this is an us episode, okay? That's right, yes. You appreciate so, it. Thank you for listening to us. We are happy to be in your ear holes. I'm going to be in your holes. <laughs> All right, cool. I think that's a good place to stop it. <laughs>